BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant, from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi-award winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Grow Show. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman. On today's show, we'll be discussing the differences between indoor and outdoor growing. What are the differences ecologically? Are there differences between the two products quality-wise? Where is the market heading in this respect with the new Green Rush economy that's upon us? To discuss this issue in depth and with expertise, I've invited a very knowledgeable guest. I'd like to welcome my guest today, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. He's been a cannabis journalist and activist for almost 40 years. Both his Ask Ed column, which ran in High Times Magazine throughout the 80s, and his books, like the Marijuana Grower's Bible, were my main inspiration and source of knowledge when I decided to start growing back in 1988. He's still as vital as ever to the cannabis culture, touring the country, appearing and speaking at cannabis festivals. Please welcome my friend, Ed Rosenthal. Hi. Happy to be with you. Thanks, Ed. I'm really, really happy to have you here on my, only my second show of The Grow Show. I thought that you'd enjoy talking with me about what's going to be happening upcoming as this uh, green rush economy is coming to pass uh, for good and for bad. Pretty much everything, the bulk of all of the cannabis, the medicinal cannabis that we've been smoking in California for, for many years has been grown indoors. And as you know, that's where my expertise lies. And so let's just start this off by asking you, what do you think are the main differences between indoor and outdoor cannabis as far as the product itself is concerned? Is one better than the other? It all depends how it's grown. And the problem with most outdoor cannabis, especially in prior years, is that just when the plant is uh, flowering, it all depends upon how the plant is grown. Both indoor and outdoor cannabis is affected by its environment. Now, the main problem with outdoor cannabis, as it has been grown in the past, is that just when the plant is starting to flower and could use more energy, more light, the intensity of the light is going down, which is in the fall. So, people who use light deprivation and harvest during the summer will have this absolutely the strongest cannabis ava- available because they'll be getting a lot of UV light, which is found in sunlight. 
And uh, that's something that you don't usually get when you're growing indoors or in a green, even in a greenhouse. So by, by when you say light deprivation, what you mean is by flowering the plants earlier in the season, causing them to flower by um, giving them darkness earlier in the season, you can take advantage of the full bright, the strong sun during the middle of the summer? Just, yes, just as, as in indoors, people, when they want the plants to flower, they change from 18 or 24 hours of light per day to 12 hours of light, and that and the plants are sensitive to the uh, uninterrupted darkness. Well, if you increase the dark, the dark period early in the summer, let's say starting in uh, June or July, then the plants will start flowering. What, usually what people do is they, they cover the plants with a white-black plastic uh, either in the, in the, towards the evening or, or early in the morning and then let, take it off uh, later in the morning. For instance, if you want your plants to flower and the sun is uh, rising at 6 a.m., for instance, then you would cover the plants at 6 p.m. Or another way of doing it would be uh, if the plant, if uh, dusk is at 9 p.m., you might cover the plants early in the morning before dawn and then remove the uh, covers at 9 a.m. so that the plants get 12 hours of light. That's very interesting. That's almost like a hybrid system. It's, uh, it's partially uh, natural. You're following the sun, and then you're adding a little bit of uh, man-made ingenuity to improve on what nature's uh, affording you as far as hours of lights of the day. It's obvious that growing outdoors it uses little or no mechanical energy, so it's uh, way better as far as a carbon footprint. On the other hand, indoor gardening is practically is basically 100% sustained by mechanical energy, you know, electricity, um, which is widely known to be produced by burning coal in this country, producing a huge carbon footprint, which is not very ecologically sound. There is one way that I uh, think that indoor farming does uh, have an advantage over outdoor farming, and that's water consumption. Um, I, th- I am under the assumption, not being an outdoor farmer, that outdoor farming must use a lot more water than indoor cultivation. Is that or is that not correct? Usually it does, but there's no reason that it has to. For instance, uh, you, could, uh, you could use a tray and a wick system outdoors so that no lo- water or fertilizer is lost. And... Uh-huh. Uh, and um, you could cover the top of you could cover the top of the container where the plant is growing with white black plastic and that would stop transpiration from from the little bit of soil that's there reduce, reduce evaporation exactly right. so there are, there are, there are a lot of uh, factors that you can do to mitigate um, uh, the loss of water that's really interesting as well um, I, I love the idea of gardening outside in the sun and the fresh air rather than spending all day in a windowless grow room, you know, which is how I spend a lot of my days. I miss the outdoors. I also have another uh, assumption being a, a bit of a pot snob myself. I'm, I'm not ashamed. I'm not proud of it, but I'm not ashamed of the fact. Can you give me your opinion as to why you think indoor cannabis always sells for 25 to 50% more than outdoor cannabis. Well, that, that's not really true. It doesn't okay. do that. Let me give you an instance. Absolutely. So there were some people who 
grew marijuana the outdoors and they harvested in mid in early to mid August between August 10th and August 15th and it was beautiful because it was it didn't suffer from bad weather or from the change in the sun's angle or you know any of the conditions that you start getting in the fall it was harvested in the summer when they brought it uh, two dispensaries, the dispensaries thought it was really spectacular, and they never questioned whether it was indoor or outdoor. Really? Right. So they had just assumed that it was indoor. Well, that's, that's going to be pretty rare on my, on my experience. Um, I don't think so. I no? Think, no, I think that there are a lot of people who are using light deprivation, and uh, so that the they have these really beautiful buds, and I will tell you, Kyle, because of the UV light, they are stronger than buds that you grow indoors. So if you grew the same plant indoors and out, you know, the way that I'm talking about, or indoors, since it, the plants get the UV light outdoors, they will be stronger. The, the big or let's say you grew it in the Central Valley, you know, uh, you could grow really beautiful uh, plants in the Central Valley. A lot of the problem with the indoor, with the outdoor plants, is where people are growing it. And you know that there's big production up in the Humboldt, Humboldt and the Emerald Triangle in general. And but those people did not go there for the soil fertility or the good weather or anything or the, any kind of growing conditions. They went there because it was remote and they were in an outlaw situation. But let's say you had any place that you wanted to grow that you could grow in California. Would you really choose Humboldt or Mendocino, or would you go down to the Central Valley where you have excellent weather? Well, I do prefer indoor growing, but I do do it in soil. I, I like getting dirt under my fingernails and the smell of the rich soil and the quality it produces is really the only way for me. Uh, at least me, it gives me some sense of being a gardener, which I miss living in the concrete jungle here in Los Angeles. Well, listen, I think it's time for us to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be right back to talk more about indoor versus outdoor cultivation with Ed Rosenthal. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarterInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Kieran at Carter Insurance at 702-292-2909. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-877. 
Join MPP. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Listen in as Dr. Dina, medical marijuana pioneer and inspiration for the award-winning TV series, Weeds, shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman, your host. Today's guest with me is Ed Rosenthal, and we're talking about indoor versus outdoor cultivation. So, Ed, let's pick up this discussion. We were just uh, having a little debate about whether there is a difference in quality between indoor and outdoor cultivation, indoor and outdoor medicine, and I was mentioning an observation that I've noticed that indoor cannabis generally sells almost across the board for a lot more money, and and you were educating me to say that that's certainly not always the case. I know that in my experience, indoor and outdoor cannabis are definitely a different animal, as I like to put it. it. It's almost a different substance, and it has to do with the natural photo period and the change that takes place outdoors, being a minute longer every day, a shorter every day. And in my mind, I see it as all of the cannabinoids developing under a much more natural and a slower process where indoors, boy, we make them just jump through hoops. We tell them one day, okay, it's time to flower today and uh, we expect you to be ready in eight weeks. So can you give me a little bit of what, there is a distinction between indoor and outdoor cannabis. Can you tell me what you notice when you smoke, when you utilize the two different products? What are are some pros and cons or what are the differences between indoor and outdoor cannabis in your estimation? The problem is that most outdoor cannabis isn't grown correctly. It just isn't grown correctly. So uh, when you let the plants uh, grow in their natural state through September and October, if you take a look at uh, light charts, you'll see that the intensity of the light and the intensity of the UV light, which also is a determinant of uh, THC, both go down significantly in that period of time. So, so we're getting big. We're, so we're getting big flowers, but we're not necessarily getting a hundred percent of the of the full potential genetic potential of the plant because um, indoor grows can provide that uh, intense UV light at those those times. So, but when you but when you grow and I don't think it's that the light is gradually going down because plants have a critical light period and when once that triggers it initiates flowering and one in, one thing that's really interesting you, you notice that plants will start flowering in August and if you look at the actual amount of darkness that they get it might only be ten and a half hours or eleven hours of darkness that's enough to initiate flowering of those varieties. So you could initiate flowering, for instance, of certain varieties indoors using 11 hours of darkness, which would give you about 8% more light or a little more than 8% more light per day. And then you would bring that light down towards ripening. 
that's that that's really interesting. I've done a lot of playing with photo periods indoors. Um, you know that. Um, have you heard? Uh, DJ Short speak recently about his experiments with actually shortening the hours of light that you give the plant. Have you heard him speak on that? No, but but you know what that that would not be good for the plants, and I'll tell you why. Growth is based on energy and on light energy. So if you shorten the length of the, the of the photo period, you'll get a faster you'll get faster flowering but the flowers won't be as big. Is it possible that even though the flowers aren't as big, that um, there could be less degradation to the actual trichome and that maybe there could be an increase in uh, cannabinoids? No, I, I, I don't think so. But, uh, I, I, let me give you another, but let me give you another example, but I have not tried this. Let's say the plants need 12 hours of darkness. Just, let's just hypothetically say that. So usually you would give them 12 hours of darkness and 12 hours of light, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So what if we gave them 12 hours of darkness but 15 hours of light? So then we have, instead of a 24-hour day, we have a 27-hour day. I get it. So basically you're leaving the factory on for a few more hours a day and you're changing the day from a 24-hour day to a 27-hour day. So what you're actually going to do is you're going to, you're going to grow more biomass, um, but you're going to increase the number of days that it takes to, to get to harvest. Right. But also, but think of it this way. You put in 12 over 12 is 50, right? So they're getting 50% darkness, right? Correct. But, Correct. But fifteen over twelve is is uh, it's about um, fifty five fifty five forty five yeah something like that. Well, three hours over twelve it would be twenty it would be twenty five percent more light. So they're getting about twenty five percent more light total plus long you know and so that over the time period they're getting more light and that a higher percentage of light so they would be, be getting bigger growth. So right, right. when you figure out uh, light times time period time divided by growth, they'll have more total growth over than the plants that do 12-12. This is very, very interesting. I think that we could probably talk for a half an hour just on manipulating photo period to achieve different results. But I wanted uh, to your other question, which was, what do I think is a difference? And yes, what, please. What I'm saying to you is if you, let's say you start those plants and you're forcing them to flower in late June, they're going to be harvested in late August. Those plants, they will be stronger and they will look, they'll look very close to the plants that you used to in bud, but they'll be more robust. I mean, in, from indoors, but they'll be more robust and they'll be stronger. You're saying that the indoor or the outdoor, uh, outdoor. would be more strong? Outdoor that's grown and harvested in late August for, by forcing them to flower. But not flower until June. Yeah, June, you know, like if you flower them in late June, they'll harvest in late August. That's a good time. So those plants will be stronger than your indoor plants. And the reason for that is because they're getting uh, adequate amounts of UV light. 
That's right. Or let's say you were down in the Central Valley, in the southern part of the Central Valley. Usually, you know, you have hot weather and a strong sun through November. Mm-hmm. The plants that are grown there and that are harvested through September, those plants will be very strong also. Okay, well, let me ask you. Right now, I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking uh, indoor or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there, Ed. <laughs> I'm not determined, but I don't know what it really is. But I just so, you, so, so you're that. truly like the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> But, but there is an expert roller at the firm whose services I use a lot. Yeah. Yes, it's always good to have an expert roller around when you have so many things to do. I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Well, this has been very enlightening. I, I think that we could just keep talking about this subject uh, probably for hours, and we will the next time we sit down and uh, enjoy our comp- some company together. Right now, it is time for uh, our final break, and we'll be right back to talk about Great Grows. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network, CannabisRadio.com. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is Kyle Cushman. I'm your host for The Grow Show. And now it's time for our final segment of the show that I like to call Great Grows. Each week, I make sure to share some practical tips on what I've learned about cultivating the weed we all need. And this week's topic is starting your first grow. And a lot of people think it has to be very complicated, and I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be complicated. I'm talking to all you people out there in the wonderful legal states where it is perfectly legal for you to go out and acquire some plants and grow them in your own home. Um, What I'd like to suggest is start small. Get yourself a couple of plants or or, or a package of seeds and uh, start small with a couple of buckets of soil. Five-gallon homer buckets work really well. 
poke some holes in the bottom of the buckets. Basically, you're just going to put a drip tray under those buckets and put them in a closet, let's say. You're going to need a, a light source, and I recommend an HID for, for those starting out. 400 or a 600-watt HID would definitely get you started at home without having to install a lot of appliances for cooling and dehumidifying and things like that. Or you can go the LED way. I can recommend lush lighting to you people out there who want to start, start with LEDs. One light is all you need. Uh, maybe four plants and pick a good fertilizer. Of course, I'm going to recommend my Vega Matrix, which is very easy to use. You just follow the feeding chart, no pHing necessary. And um, I'd also like to re- recommend there's a lot of really good grow forums online where you can learn day to day. KyleCushman.com has a free growers forum where you can post pictures, start your own threads, and get answers to your questions from growers all over the world. There's a really good veganic and organic community, growers community going there. So, you know, there's no reason not to just jump in and go ahead and start it. Remember, all of our ancestors used to grow plants to sustain themselves, and it's really as natural as riding a bike. So... Do a little research, get out there, and get started. And Ed, I'd like you to um, comment on how one would go about start, starting an outdoor garden if they, if they so choose to. Well, starting an outdoor garden is much easier than starting an indoor one since you don't have to put up lights or anything like that. So at the simplest level, if you already have a garden that gets a lot of sun during the day, well, it's not going to get it at night. It has to get a lot of sun. But for instance, if the garden grows, if the if tomatoes or corn does well in your garden, then uh, it would be suitable for marijuana. And you could plant it right in the soil. Or let's say you don't want to plant it in the soil. For instance, there are two reasons are that you don't have soil, you just have a patio. Or another reason would be that although all parts of the garden get sun, during the summer, towards fall, there's only one part of the garden that gets sun, and you might want to move the plant to that section of the garden later in the season. If you're going to do it in a container, the size of the plant, to a great extent, is going to be determined by the size of the container. So the size of the container, the bigger the container, the bigger the plant will grow. What are some standard suggestions for container size to five, start out? 5, 10, 25... 100, 200, 400. <laughs> uh, when I say 200 or 400, you know, the, the, when you see those uh, giant plants that are growing in, uh, in containers. Uh, Three, five-pound yielding plants, sure. Uh, yeah, they're in, those, uh, those, they're in 200 and 400-gallon containers. And that, those are you great. Know, you only have to water them once a week. Right, right. Or... You know, you could put a wick system and a tray underneath, catch all the water, and uh, you water them even less. And you could uh, there, and there are a lot of ways that you can capture the water so that unlike in a contain, unlike in a uh, when you're uh, growing in soil, you're not uh, using any water except directly for the plant. Watering. And feeding are two different things. You can water without feeding. So what are your suggestions for the gardener outdoors as far as how often they should nutrify their watering? Marijuana uses a lot of nutrient. And so what I would do is uh, buy a nutrient wand and uh, for soil and see 
how rich your soil is at any time and see what how it's doing and then uh, fertilize based on that. These meters are fairly expensive to get a good one, are they not? No, they're, they're $100 or so. And, okay. And I want you to, you know, when people think about, oh, should I spend $100 on this? I, I don't want you to think so much in terms of the dollar amount, but think in terms of ounces. So, so if this meter helps you produce a few more ounces and it costs a hundred dollars, well, it, it costs a half ounce. Absolutely. And, you know. So, uh, yeah. So it's good to have the proper tools, and that's part of it. That's right. I mean, we, we, we are growing um, medicine, sustenance that improves your life uh, dramatically. And uh, think, think about uh, uh, a small investment and the return on that investment and, and how valuable that is. Now, so now you, grow, you grow in cocoa where, they're, uh, where you're giving all the, nut- all the nutrient from, from the fertilizer. So that's a little different situation than if people are growing in one of these enriched soils. It, all, it really depends on your situation. And the, the best investment, I will give a little plug, the best investment that you can make in growing. Let me is, guess, is a good soil. No, it's a good book. A good book, absolutely. And please, you know, um, we're pretty much out of time. And right here, Ed, is where I would like to thank you for coming on the show. I'd like to thank the producers for making this show possible. And please um, tell people about um, your recent books and how they can find them and, and your website and such. Well, just go on Google and Google my name and you'll get all kinds of great stuff, different websites and uh the book company and everything. So you don't have to go far or remember anything but my name and put it in. Everybody out there, I'd like to stress, have very few mentors in my life. And this man, Ed Rosenthal, is definitely one of them. So take his advice. And if you are thinking about uh, getting started on cultivating your own cannabis, please uh, pick up some of his uh, uh, material, some of his literature. It'll make your life much better. And also make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media and upcoming events where I'll be speaking at. Subscribe to my newsletter and a whole lot more. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and coming soon, iHeartRadio. Well, thanks for joining us. I am your host, Kyle Cushman. This has been The Grow Show. And as always, please stay lifted. The opinions expressed on this Cannabis Radio Network program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff or management of Cannabis Radio Network. Any rebroadcast or retransmission without proper consent of the Cannabis Radio Network is prohibited.